Man, she's probably really, really high. Welcome back to Lunchtime in Rome. This is episode 64. This is Eric, and I'm here with Jay. Hello! And Richie. What's going on? Uh, Richie is sitting at the head of the table today. Uh, we're going to talk to That's him. the head of the table? Head of the table. He's a guest. <laughs> Put right. him at the head. It's my privilege. Um, we're going to get back to Richie here in a few minutes, but uh, first up, uh, we want to remind you guys that you can visit lunchtimeinrome.com to find all the show notes uh, for this episode. Um, any links that we mention, um, we will post them there. And um, you can also take our emotional needs questionnaire. It is ready to go to find out more about yourself, um, which we'll talk more about in a minute. Um, you can also email us if you have uh, anything that you need to communicate to us, any uh any things that you would love comfort in or advice on, we, we get those emails and we check them once a year. Um, <laughs> and um, you can also watch live on Facebook each week. Uh, we either um, pop up on Wednesday or Thursday around 8 o'clock-ish. Um, and we always put out a message of when that's going to be. Um, and with that being said, Jay, would you tell us what... Th- our podcast is all about please i sure would uh this podcast is focused on romans twelve fifteen in the bible hence lunchtime in rome got it if you can figure that out but also the fact that romans twelve fifteen says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn the number one problem people face in life the most common problem i should say is that they feel alone and if we can join them in their emotion and come alongside and let them know they're not alone, well, that's a great way to love somebody. Mm-hmm. And so typically, typically, Eric and Richie, the way this podcast works is the first 20 minutes we model that uh, Eric and Brian, yep. Brian, of course, like you said, is out of town, and myself, we model it. The next 20 minutes we do a teaching segment on how that you can either uh, – make sure that you're not alone or maybe not help maybe help somebody else not be alone mm-hmm. and then the last 10 minutes of the podcast we apply it to current events and uh things like that but this week is a little bit different uh in as much that we've got our first official eric official official wow. official guest that's wow. right some would argue that when chris davidson replaced brian that he was our first official guest but Richie, you don't need to worry. You are the first official guest because Chris was literally sitting in for Brian. Yes. He was a guest co-host. Yes. Where he will do that again. Yes. Whereas we are featuring this entire night is about my man, Richie Reader. It's the title of the show. Wow. It's entirely about him after you and I get caught up with each other's (laughs) lives. It's almost 80% about Richie Reader. That is true. I'm honored. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. We're so glad you're here. I'm so excited. For and I'm show. already intimidated because his voice is already like Mr. Podcast voice. Well, I, I dialed all the... This is. It's not how R- Richie really sounds. No. I, he, I, I, it's, it's very squeaky. <laughs> He's actually in his... Eric's 30- just really good at trying to make me sound good. <laughs> yeah. so. He sounds like Mickey Mouse. If that, that's the best his way I can... 30th describe. year of puberty <laughs> is actually what he is. His voice is cracked six times. You guys don't even know it. <laughs> but normally we catch up. And for me... 
the number one thing that, that has happened probably in this last week is I had one of the hardest conversations I've had with somebody in a long time mm-hmm. where I didn't want to have this conversation. And I was like, God, just take it from me. You know, let's smooth it over. And so I had the, you know, I was, I was obedient, had the conversation and it went terribly. <laughs> like it couldn't, I guess it could have gone worse. Mm. But then we had a follow up two days later and it was one of the most beautiful conversations where, you know, there was healing and there was confirmation in a lot of things, you know, and I don't want to blow up the the person's spot, you know, being a pastor can't really uh, give up too much in the realm of confidentiality. Right. <laughs> but um, it was just a testimony to being persistent, you know, and like, okay, God, you didn't, didn't take this away from me. So I guess I'm supposed to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and we did and, and it was good and it confirmed a lot of my concerns for the person and it was, it, but in a good way. Like, yeah. Okay. Now we can fix it. You know, you, you're admitting it. I thought it. Okay, now let's go from here. Mm-hmm. And I will go fast forward. A few days later, we had an elders meeting. And Richie, you're just, I don't want to take away your thunder, but Richie's uh, somewhat involved in a church. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> has been in a planting, growing, administering, and pastoring at a church. So you understand that you have to have meetings. Unfortunately. That's right. <laughs> and we had an elders meeting. And Eric is an elder at our church at faith community church. And I started this past January. So this is the second month, second month of the year teaching what we go over in this podcast. Mm-hmm. I started teaching emotional needs to my elders. Cause if they don't know it, sure. Well, that's not a good representation. And as I discovered over the past couple of years, they don't all know it. Mm-hmm. So there was a need to teach it. And I will not say who, but <laughs> one of our elders, there's just, you know, you imagine a church elder, in their mind, it's like, okay, I've got my scripture. I understand how this works. I can give you any scripture for any point in time, but they're not all the best at emotional responding. Richie, in your experience in church, which you've worked in at least a couple churches. That's true. Guilty as charged. Is that accurate of some people in churches, that they're not the best at emotionally responding? I would agree that that statement's correct, yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> Eric, how shook was one of our elders when they walked into I this I don't even meeting? know how to describe it. It was nearly surreal. Yeah. Hmm. A bunch of Namby Pamby California vegetarian feeling stuff, <laughs> I believe is an exact quote. <laughs> and it's and you want, it was just a beautiful moment. It was because it was just too much. Hmm. And it was such a I had it was such a blessing for me because Eric was mad. Eric was mad hmm. at on my behalf mm-hmm, sure. that he's disrespecting this process, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and other people there, I remember looking at me and they've since mentioned to me that they were amazed <laughs> that I wasn't offended gotcha. yeah. and that I was just like, and it really, my heart broke because this is just way too far outside of his comfort zone. I mean, mm-hmm. it's way too far outside of his comfort zone. And right next to him was another guy who is the classic. I mean, he's just a great guy. Like he will give you every, he once asked me for permission to lead a men's Bible study at his camp two hours north. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, they asked me to. He goes, is it okay? And I went, yeah, you're <laughs> 75 years old and I've known the Lord for 65 of those years. He goes, but it's your responsibility as a pastor to give me permission. Mm. And I'm like, right. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Pray. What do I do? You go. So You this, have my blessing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> but what's but what's cool about him is like he has the reason for everything. He's sitting next to this guy flipping out. He's no more comfortable. Hmm. He's just he's the opposite. Like he a has rock, shut down. <laughs> he's just sitting there. <laughs> he has nothing to say to anybody. 
but it was just wonderful. And we got to be able to talk about it. And we, and, and I, and I talked him off, you know, the, 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 the hysterical ledge that he was on. And I don't know how much progress we made. And he even apologized to me afterwards. I'm like, nothing to apologize for, you know, we're good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, it's just difficult and awkward conversations is the title of my last week, yeah. but also good conversations. There's yeah. Good progress and healing. Yeah. There's been breakthroughs. Um, totally. and the only thing from a food perspective that we've had is we stumbled across some of the best winter fruit you will ever have. Oh my gosh. Eric brings, we have people over sometimes, uh, sometimes every Tuesday night. <laughs> And uh, sometimes every certain some <laughs> people and Erica is always in charge of bringing the fruit. Yeah. And this week it was just like strawberries. Good. Raspberries. Good. Oh, man. Pineapple. Good. Yeah. You know, black raspberries. Good. Mango. <laughs> Tyler. Tyler ate the entire thing of mango. <laughs> he was like, oh, I love mango. It was I'm like, all about the mango right now. Yeah. <laughs> Literally what he yeah, said. Yeah, that's a quote you didn't think you were going to hear. Is this leftover fruit right here from Tuesday I went night? Out, no, because Tyler took it all. <laughs> okay. But um, and mango was the only thing that wasn't good. It was part um, sludge and part eraser from a chalkboard. Yeah. Well, and you know, I thought and he ate all of it. Yeah, he, he, so he I went out last it. night and because I, I didn't get a whole ton of it, Dude, and I'm he just went, like, I'm buying me some more raspberries and some more pineapple. He had to have been sitting on the throne for like an hour with how much <laughs> fruit he had. Hopefully, had to have. Hopefully, his posterior. Uh, did not become excretion <laughs> is a lot better than his frontier <laughs> excretion. That boy has got the bladder of a 90 year old. No offense, <laughs> 90 year olds. And those of you who listen, who keep me accountable when I make fun of older people, <laughs> well, I'm still not mentioning your name, but I will. But I, I thought I was doing us a favor by all the time. <laughs> I thought I was doing us a favor by be- getting the, the pre-cut mango. Cause I was like, well, this has been like, like, I, I feel like I get that it's been certified. Okayed. That this is good mango. It's going to be fresh. Well, you're probably using Tyler. That's a mistake. Clearly, you could poop on the mango, and he'd be like, eh, it's "But a it was different." You know, but you know what I'm saying? It's prepackaged. Check, right. and check I was, the date on it. <laughs> yeah, they have like a two dollar off coupon <laughs> yeah. on the top. I mean, it is Aldi, so that's, I, that was on me. He checked the date. He didn't check the year. <laughs> it was in the back. But yeah, by the, the yogurt. We didn't put the mango in. We no, didn't we want. Did not. Well, we didn't, just as well, Tyler ate it all. But the, you know what? This, this some, I'll, I'll give away my secret, which isn't a secret. Oh, that's a great secret. But so you cut the pineapple, and then you take the. Um, is it the rind? It's a good point. Skin. Skin. I don't, I don't even know, know what, what you call that. Yeah, but I was really hoping you. Wait. It was Richie's first big moment. Yeah. I was ready for him to be like, the bark. The, I was bark. supposed to cover the fact that you guys <laughs> yeah. didn't know what the outside of a pineapple is called. We emailed you. Yeah. Um, I failed. <laughs> but uh, but I take that with a little bit of like whatever, the little bit of flesh that's still inside of the actual pineapple, and I squeeze it over the entire fruit salad. All the mixed fruit. Oh, man. It makes everything just like... Because like, I love a little bit of sweetness added to the strawberry, but I don't want to add sugar. No, you can't do you that. Know? Mm-hmm. So I just squeeze the pineapple. Oh, man. It makes God, the sugar right there. That's right. It just makes the strawberries taste that much better. Dude, and I will tell you this. <laughs> the best, the best fruit combo is raspberry and pineapple. It really is. It is unbelievable. It's right here. It's sitting in front of us tonight. Dude, I'm so pumped that you brought this tonight. It's just a fresh little, little spark <laughs> in your evening. evening. Like when Richie starts talking, I'm just going to move this mic away. And start, <laughs> start Way in the background, people are going to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that is the nice thing about these We're going to get these ASMR mics, points. <laughs> yeah. You, you get away from these mics, you can't hear anything. Um, yes, fruit. That's probably going to be mine, too, because, man... Just so good. You um, sous vide in your fruit. 
He got a sous vide machine. Do you know what sous vide is? I do not. Uh, you will after tonight. Okay. You want to ask- eh, give him a two minute. Okay, so sous vide is. Man, I feel like we've talked about the sous vide a lot, but it is kind of a great find. So I'm my, out with her in high school. <laughs> my boss um, sous vide. He had a neighbor that used to sell these sous vides. Okay. And it's uh and it's a machine that you fill with water and then it keeps a constant temperature in that water and then you take. It's usually meat, but there's vegetables and stuff that you can do too. Whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, vegetables. Um, take your meat, whether it's chicken or steak or whatever, you set the temperature to the water and then you put the meat in a vacuum sealed bag and you submerge that in the water and you just let it cook. You just let it slow cook. Okay. So you can leave, like I let, I left chicken in there for like three and a half hours at 165 and the chicken cooks to 165 and it never gets any hotter, but it's cooking and it gets to the, the, the right temperature for, for poultry. And it just kind of keeps on cooking in that low, yeah. that low, that low temp. So it turns out fantastic. Oh, so good. I love <laughs> sous vide. Um, you would not put fruit in there. Would not, but I, I'm bringing it back to fruit is what I did there. That's fine. <laughs> I was trying to see in my mind how this coordinated with fruit. I was. <laughs> so it doesn't. Not okay. at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ecstatic about the sous vide. Oh it man, is. it's, it's so good. Um, but this week, so Jay, I know you're big on flossing. I'm a flosser. I Dude, floss you are day. you are a flosser. Um, so you're one of those people that goes to the dentist, and when they said, "Have you flossed every day?" You they actually, don't even ask. Okay, they're oh, like, "Oh, you that? floss." I mean, for years, I just had to lie in that situation. <laughs> right. and say, "Yeah, of course," <laughs> and then feel guilty about it. For and a then they're of like months. carving out like last <laughs> last year's Thanksgiving. They're dinner. like, "That's interesting because we can't get the floss in between your teeth." Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's crazy. I still remember the time that the the dental hygienist was like kind of like counting in between my teeth and was like five, four, one, two, three, and all of these different like I guess they have like a numeral system yes. for the, the how deep the pockets are. Oh. So, yeah, I got called out on that. It was like, hey, whatever I scored, I don't even know what's high and what's low. But, yeah, <laughs> Wasn't they, they caught me a couple years ago. So, yeah. wow. I once, when we were first married, I would floss on the couch downstairs watching TV before oh, I go to bed. That's romantic. And then Rachel yelled at me how? because I was leaving them on the end table. <laughs> oh, Jay. So. It's kind of gross. So she didn't want them on the end table anymore. Imagine so, that. So I started throwing them behind the couch. And with each night, I would be like, one day, one day, we're getting ready to do something. And it's it's at least 18 months later. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And she pulls out, and we're cleaning the house for something. And she pulls out the couch. I think it was Thanksgiving because we take our our living room furniture and put it in the dining room so we can bring the dining room furniture into gotcha. the living room and put in both leaves. And I hear, Jane Midler! <laughs> Imagine there's probably over 500 oh my little, little dental floss bunnies. And I said, hey, you said don't leave them on the end table. <laughs> Same. That's fantastic. So, so back to flossing. Um, so I went to the dentist this week. And I've historically, I really have not done a good job of flossing mm-hmm. my whole life. Um, but since my last dentist visit, I have become a flosser. And I started to floss. And they noticed a big, big difference. Come that, mother that, that's where I was at a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm like, I'm telling these young kids that they should be flossing and I'm helping them with flossing. I'm like, I should probably do probably, it too. Yeah, right. <laughs> Set an example. <laughs> Daddy, how come you never... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of sleep. those. Go to sleep. Guilty. <laughs> but uh, but they definitely noticed the difference, which I was happy about. But I got two cavities that have been ah. forming. But I mean, like, it's been, you know, 36 years of... You know, not flossing on a regular schedule. So, you know. Have you, you been regular you to the dentist? 
over no. the pa- okay so this is sort of a re-entry into the dental world i've i've been to the dentist more recently in the past two years than i ever have been in my life wolf no offense to your parents yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> i i couldn't tell you before i went back like maybe it's probably like eight years at this point before that maybe like junior high maybe wow <laughs> so you're doing all right you got them all I know. <laughs> except for the two wisdom teeth that they pulled out a while ago but yeah um but yeah this, they gotta go um but yeah doing all right Still so you, got them all you felt like you had to reintroduce yourself to the dentist when you went back <laughs> my teeth did they were like hey we're, we're all like you can see us this time um but yeah it's it was it was noticeably different. I'm bummed about the cavities because I'm like, man, I'm doing a good job, but you know, with all that. Um, but I was amazed, like the cleaning took less time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the hygienist didn't sigh as much. <sighs> oh, gosh. <sighs> the smell was less. Yeah, the smell was less. There wasn't as much bleeding, <laughs> crying. <laughs> Couldn't taste that iron, you know, bloody iron taste in my mouth. So it was yeah. pre- it was pretty good. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was all right. Progress, right? Progress. That's right. Where you might have to reintroduce yourself to the dentist from time to time. It is our honor to introduce Richie Reader to this world. Yes. To at least to this this table. Yes. He is, he's pulling up a seat. I'm honored. As you said, the honor, the seat of honor at the table today. We're so excited. Um, I've known Richie loosely for a long time, um, closely for a short time. I guess is the way to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric got to meet Richie when he came and spoke at our church yeah. about pressing on, which I'll bet you may mention something about uh, as this evening goes on. But Richie, why don't you just introduce yourself and first and foremost, just you know, if somebody said you know your elevator talk, who are you? What's your what are you about? What's what's who's Richie Reader? Yeah, uh, my name's Richie Reader. Have lived in Pittsburgh here for thirteen years. Um, had a plan to get out of Pittsburgh within the first couple of years and really fell in love with this awesome city yeah you did and so like we we love this city didn't grow up here was born in lynchburg virginia spent most of my childhood and young adulthood in york pa shout york. out to the wow. 717 right. 717 come so on son that's where now, what uh, school district would you have gone wait did you go to high school Oh, yeah, I did. did we talk to, about this? I went to high school in Northeastern School District, just oh, south yeah. of Camp Hill. So. so, volleyball powerhouse. Man. It is. It is. Really good at volleyball. And baseball. Yeah, played baseball there. Yeah, you did. So, they won the state championship the year after I graduated. So, it's kind of like, you're welcome, guys. Yeah, you yeah. set them up. <laughs> Penn Hills won the state championship the year after I graduated. Nuts how us. that happens. We set people you know? up. Uh huh. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a Pennsylvania boy through and through. The best part of me is my wife, Reagan. Been married for nearly 13 years now. And um, she is amazing, good at so many things that I am not. Um, we complement one another well, and we work together now, which is um, something that we can talk about together mm-hmm. later. Um, but my passions have always been the art of communication, what you guys are doing like right here, legit, love it, talking about meaningful things, and you know my passion for sports and also for Jesus. Um, those are the three things that have really marked my life you know, for the last three and a half decades. So, Three and a half decades. Wow. Haven't quite caught up with this guy. But That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not the youngest one on the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah. I'm still the oldest. That's right. <laughs> I got to get some older guests <laughs> on this show. What's your favorite sport? Baseball. Through baseball? And through. I'm a baseball guy. I okay. played for... Played for 18 years, including college. Yeah. And... Um, Were you a Pirates fan? 
I was not originally. I grew up on the east side of the state there, yeah. South Central PA. Yeah. So my grandfather, you know, got me pulling for the Phillies. Sure. My dad got me pulling for the Phillies. Um, but oddly enough, like that 91, 92 season when I was like watching like 50 baseball games for the first time in my life, fell in love with the Pirates, you know, when they went up against the Braves in the early 90s. So my so, first baseball hat that I bought was a Pirates hat, actually. Wow. So, controversial. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, family's pulling for the Phillies, but the first baseball hat, it was providential. Like, God knew where we were going to land, I guess. <laughs> I was typing out book reports on Roberto Clemente, and it was like this Pittsburgh stuff was in my blood before I actually knew it. It was kind of wow. weird. You know, and you make a joke about that, but you almost wonder sometimes. I do. Right. Yeah. If God's just sort of, you know, little whispers. It's little like hints. my first baseball hat, Pirates hat. First book report I ever remember typing, Roberto Clemente. Like, you can't make that stuff up. No. No dream of living in Pittsburgh, but here we are. And what do you do now? So right now I do several different things. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> my wife and I just started a brand new nonprofit That's pressing all. on. You know, we can talk little, about that whenever. Um, now? Yeah, talk now. about now. Sure. So pressing on brand new 501c3 IRS official nonprofit. Uh, a lot of work to establish something like that. But yep. we started it last September. Um, and the mission is simply to uplift, resource, and coach families that are going through crisis. Wow. Before we get there. Yeah. What did you do before that? So in my 13-year kind of career post-college here, spent roughly six and a half years in the corporate insurance brokerage world and six and a half years in vocational ministry with two different churches in the what area. What does that mean? It's all of life is ministry. And uh, it's theory. kind of like a bone right. that I, you know, people like, how long have you been in ministry? It's like, oh, I met Jesus in, you know, elementary school. So and they're like, right, right, right. Like, you know, so... I, I always want to view work as worship, no matter what we're doing. Our vocations are important. But for somebody to say, well, just because I get paid for a church, I'm in official ministry. Like, I, I got a bone to pick with and that. And I do so, as well. I do as well. But, um, yeah, I think that there's the real work is being done in the marketplace and stuff for sure. But your so, career yeah. became ministry yeah. six and a half years ago. Yeah. Went to um, a Christian school in Cedarville University. Uh, really had no interest in going to a Christian university, just wanted to play baseball. And so God grew me a lot there, met my wife there, had no interest in going to seminary, moved to Pittsburgh for a job and ended up in the corporate insurance world, started seminary while I was at another church in the area here. And, and God really kind of pulled and that's me that's when we met, that. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good old Monroeville Baptist days. Yeah, Monroeville Community Church when I was there. Oh, so, it was already Monroeville, yeah. Monroeville Community Church? Yeah. Or this, never mind. I was going to give away this, the security code, but it very well might be the same security code. One, we could probably five. still get in there. We probably, dude, we really might. It was one, at, one, 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 one. Take no, a field trip. I don't know how we can say it without saying it. Yeah. It was. No, I can't say they'll it. They'll do it. They'll do it. If, if we said how we knew what it was, anybody could know what it was without yeah. us telling you the numbers. Right, right. It was right. pretty obvious. It was mm -hmm. actually brilliant. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, so we met back then briefly. But yeah, that was my first church experience and learned a lot there and went back into the corporate marketplace for a little while to finish paying off seminary and stuff like that. And then uh, was led to plant a church. And so my wife and I helped plant um, a, another church here in Monroeville. And we've been going for about six and a half years. And it's Reclamation Church. Reclamation Church in and Monroeville. you've been the associate pastor with your job title being... Yeah, for five years now, but was leading all the volunteer teams and serving in an unpaid role, you know, right from the very beginning. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And then it became your paid position. Correct. Yeah. Back in 2015. And a lot of your focus then, especially early on, you know, was on sort of the caring ministries and yes. to, and, and talk about how you went about that in your heart for that. 
Yeah, I mean, people have always been, you know, one of my passions in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, in a lot of leaders will try to run past people to accomplish what they want to accomplish. And mm. I, I would just always rather just stop and listen and stop and care and stop and have compassion. Mm. And, and as kind of a driven leader, like that originally was hard for me. And now it's kind of like my life's work that mm. we love to do. Um, but yeah, when we started the church, you know, people have different opinions of how you should launch a church, whether what? it's like a, a missional <laughs> community model or an attractional large launch model or advertising, no advertise, home, building, I mean, all this kind of stuff. And so I'm not demeaning any strategy, but what we opted for was, you know, kind of a, we're setting the launch date, we're gonna meet at a middle school, and God grew 40 people praying on our knees in a living room, you know, to about 400 people in multiple services and all of those things that now I'm kind of fearful of building bucks and bodies and all that, those killer bees. Cause but say that again and flush that <clears> out <throat> because it's, you know, you said it the first time we had lunch and I'm like, right. Yeah. It's just what one of those things that about? It, it rattles off my tongue at this point in time. Like you can, you can sidestep actual real ministry by going for numbers. And so whether it's buildings like, hey, we have all these facilities or some churches will really tout their numbers of, hey, this money, you know, that was given online and in the offering, and here's how many people we have coming. I don't think that those are necessarily the the truest measures of a healthy church. Sure. That those killer bees, you know, if you pursue those things and only those things, then a lot of times as ministers, you forget about care. You forget about true discipleship. You forget about the community of believers that need to gather mm. and stuff and like that. And that's where God started moving really in your heart. Yeah, that exactly. That, you know, while we were focusing a lot of our efforts to draw people on Sunday mornings and specifically disciple kids and having a quality kids ministry, God did lots of amazing things. Sure. But I missed that interaction with a lot of people that didn't know Christ, maybe that I worked with downtown. Mm. And the Lord really started to shift my focus to the other side six and a half days that yes, Sunday morning's important. Yes. Corporate worship clearly is important. We see that all throughout acts, but they also met in homes and they also valued the work that God had. And they cared for the widows and they cared for exactly the sick. Exactly. So that was always a passion of mine to equip people and tell people like, listen, you will rub shoulders with people that I never will. I never introduced myself as a pastor. Like I always felt like it was a tag that was like, oh, the conversation gets weird. Like, you know, when people hear that and I'm like, listen, you got skills and gifts and talents and Mm. abilities as an individual that are unique that the Holy Spirit put inside of you and God sent you on mission for Jesus where you live, work and play, you know, to be able to impact people for the kingdom of God. And I can't do that for you as a pastor, but you know, just equipping people to have that mentality the other six and a half days, definitely a passion of mine. And we talked earlier with your with with God giving you a pirate's hat and a book report <laughs> on Roberto Clemente. That's right. Um, you know, you were being prepared yeah. at that time period because mm-hmm. your heart was for the hurting. And then the next thing you know, you find yourself at Children's Hospital. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I said earlier that the best thing about me is my wife, Regan. We've been married for almost 13 years. We have two daughters. Olivia's eight going on 18. I joke all Olivia the time. Olivia with an A. Yeah. You're gangster. A, I, I, yeah, <laughs> A-L-I-V-I-A. Olivia with an A, not Olivia. But um, yeah, Olivia Ruth. Yeah, she's A-Livia. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so like we joke all the she's time. She's Olivia. <laughs> she's <Sorry>. eight <laughs> benign this summer, and we feel like there's three adults just sitting at the yeah, table every night is. at our house. Having met her yeah. for only a short period of time. <laughs> she is unbelievably <laughs> she is the smart. the second most mature person in your household. Uh, yeah, probably. My <laughs> wife and then her, and I'd probably come in with the bronze medal there. But yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. So shout out to Olivia. She's great. An 
amazing big sister to Micah, who came along in 2015, shortly after I went on staff at the church. Um, but Micah was born with a rare genetic disease called methylmalonic acidemia, MMA, not to be confused with the cage fighting. With my passion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Your so. reality is my passion. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting. We thought that we were, well, it's not interesting, but we thought that we were going to lose her several times in mm. that, you know, first week of life. Wow. And, you know, she went to Children's Hospital, life flighted the whole bit, did dialysis, um, find out that she has this rare disease that her body can't break down protein the way that yours and I can. Let me, I want, yeah. When you think of this, you say there's many, several times you thought you were going to sure. lose her. Yeah. How vivid are those memories? Very, very. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I was walking the very same hallways in mm. Children's oh, Hospital right. that, you know, they didn't have a room for us when we arrived there. So they put us in kind of like some con consultation like holding you know room sure they had a couple of chairs my wife had just had a c-section wow. i'm pushing her around in the stroller stroller <laughs> in the wheelchair you know what i mean yeah the wheelchair just hours after and you know i'm getting up to check going into the room seeing like 16 people around you know my daughter's bedside as they're performing dialysis Jeez. and all these thoughts go through your mind you're like okay i'm a spiritual leader so i supposedly need to know what to say to all these people that want to know what's going on with my daughter when I could barely get words together, yeah, you know, and you walk in there and you're like, is this going to be the hour that they say, Hey, she's not going to make it. Or is this going to be the hour that they say, Hey, she took a turn for the better. Or what am I going to type out on the care page tomorrow? What am I going to say at her funeral? What family members do I need to call? Like all of those things rush through your mind. And it's just so many things that, yeah. you know, it, it's tough to really know what to say, what to do. And it's next. hard to think. Exactly. Because everything's so fast. Right. And, 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 and your head is like a thousand mm -hmm. degrees. Mm -hmm. And then there's your wife. Right. So we go from there. Yeah. And so Micah was diagnosed. Thankfully, the dialysis worked well to clean mm -hmm. out her system and her blood. Um, and she was placed on a very strict low protein diet, which you can imagine, you know, as babies, like they're living off of milk. And so that was unique because we had this concoction and all these formulas that we needed to mix up. Um, you know, and I've been told that it does a number on a woman too, when they're not able to breastfeed and there's just all these things that are kind of thrown in there, but she gets a little tube in her stomach so that if she doesn't want to take anything by mouth, we can pump it in there and we leave the hospital three, four weeks later <laughs> being able to finally go home, you know, wow. and you know, there's something about leaving the hospital and getting home and your baby not being with you mm -hmm. that just, that was a story that my wife told that so many women were just sobbing and yes, it was you know, anxious and depressing for me. But I think for a mom that oh, yeah. you're already working through so many things that that was a hard portion, you know, for us. And then finally you do get to take her home. Right. And it's a new normal. Like she's got all these meds for her disease. Well, and my point is you bring your first child home. Okay. Yep. You know, yeah. Eric in however, what, 20 months ago. How long ago? Uh, 17. Oh, well, not bad. Yeah. I could do much worse. <laughs> um, and you're just like, you're going to give me this child? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Normal, like healthy child. So, like, just, and so you've experienced that with Olivia. Now you're bringing home this. Wait, I got to do what? Right. I have to, I have, to I have a feeding tube. Right. I got right. it. That goes into her stomach. Mm -hmm. And when's the nurse come to do it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. I think one of the common misconceptions for a lot of people that have spent time in the hospital is that, 
you know, people just want your child to be okay. And they're like, oh, so you got to go home. You got discharged. Oh, that's awesome. Mm, mm, but it mm, brings mm, about a new set of dynamics that's like now I'm not surrounded right. by medical professionals. We don't have that all that support. Now anymore. I'm on point right. for all of this. And, and it just raises your level of you know, concern and awareness for sure. Flash forward. Yeah. I mean, they told us when we left, based upon her disease, the research is trending towards you don't want this is going to do a number on her liver. And you don't want to wait until she's a teenager and her liver's in failure. Research is showing that it would be best for her to have a liver transplant early on in life. Wow. And so you get listed for liver transplant. We consulted with the National Institute of Health. And here's the Pittsburgh connection. We're like, we'll go anywhere for our daughter. We want to do what's best for her. Talk to the leading researcher in the world on her disease down in Bethesda, Maryland, National Institute of Health. And he says, we send people to Pittsburgh, number one, Stanford, number two. Those are the two places what? that we send people That's for crazy. liver transplant. Wow. Like, oh, God sent me here a couple years ago. Right, exactly. <laughs> so Whoa. we knew one of the major reasons why God had us here in Pittsburgh was the best care for our daughter is 20 minutes away. Wow. To be on this I just podcast. got goosebumps. That's crazy. Yeah. I Second mean, reason to be on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Long time in Rome, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time. Yeah. And in the liver transplant waiting process is grueling in a sense too that you know you're you're listed you know status 1b like right up there near the top a little two-year-old mm. and we actually had three false alarms before we got the call the roller coaster of that like, alone makes me sick to my stomach like yeah. you're getting the call that they got one but yes then it, like we were literally in the driveway pulling out because there's so many variables that yeah right. they find the right blood type they find the right donor they find the right size they find the right background history of the person that's unfortunately deceased or had an emergency and, and isn't that in and of itself surreal that you're like yay yeah someone died like a little a little right. girl died right yay when that's we, wrong right how's that even work right, right. But let's go. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, wait. So, no, we don't get to go. It's so sobering. Right. I mean, like, there was, you know, I literally left the office and was back an hour and a half later because they were like, ah, I wasn't a complete match. And Micah had a little bit of a cold the day before. And so there was a lot of stop and go that even when we went there the fourth time late on a Friday night, mm -hmm. we were like, mm -hmm. okay, this hasn't happened the last three times. Is this really going to happen now? Yeah. So. And then it did. It did, yeah. yeah. January 7th, 2017. So she's a little over three years past liver transplant right now. And if you add up all of the setbacks that can happen, I mean, it's, I forget how many hours the surgery took, but I mean, it was like 15 or something like that. Oh my gosh. Um, it was, they had a lengthy process. Let me ask you a question. In the surgery, it was 15 hours. Mm -hmm. How were those 15 hours for you? It's a very pointed question. Were yeah. you as. Just answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, was it obviously surreal? Yes. Scary, prayerful, but also, and I'm just asking, a lot of normal? Like you're just hanging out, waiting? Yeah, but it, it's tough to really focus on anything else. It's not like I was doing much checking email or working on a side project or anything right, like that. Right, you're just there. Yeah, we're on yeah. floor four in the operating room waiting area for a really long time that you're one of the first people there. And she was worked on on a Saturday, so they didn't have any pre 
scheduled like operations. It was just emergency stuff that was taking place. So we were sitting there early, you know, in the morning and we're still sitting there late at night. And you've seen people come and you've seen people go. Exactly. You've heard wow. every crinkle mm-hmm. of every chip bag. Yep. You've seen every pop get yep. opened. You've seen every kid with the worst diet in the world and you're like, mm-hmm. does the parent even love them? Yeah. You see people that are talking <laughs> on their phones and you're yep. trying not to kill them while you're yep. praying for them and realizing that your daughter's life is in the balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not to over-spiritualize the moment, but the only thing that really gave us peace was we popped in you know, some tunes and some uplifting worship music and stuff mm-hmm. like that and just kind of tried to calm, you know, take deep breaths, calm our nerves, let family members know what's going on, made a couple of phone calls, but just sat there with the earbuds in, you know, for Mm. hours until we finally were like, okay, one of us needs to sleep. And, you know, the surgeons were amazing. Like there's hospitals where you have a really excellent team of, you know, care individuals. Um, And then you've got, you know, people that are really, really smart in healthcare, but then you also have people that are really great at bedside manner. And these surgeons at Children's are both, you know, it's just a rare combination. Yeah, they have to be. It's just a different world. Well, no, that's just it. They don't have to be. That's the miracle that they are. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But because we, I mean, yeah. No, I I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's why it is so special here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they've told, they told us like all the setbacks that can happen with, you know, so many different things with blood clots and infection and rejection and all the different setbacks you add them all up and it's like a 90 percent chance that a kid with a liver transplant is going to have some type of setback and micah checked all the boxes in right, 2017 she yeah she, she's very she thorough really really did and so we were in and out of the hospital a lot i think that we counted up 19 times to the operating room that year it wasn't quite 20 but it was upper teens and so it was just a grind. They say that first year of liver transplant is like a roller coaster. Like just get on and don't jump off. Like wow. And so like that that year was frustrating but good. It was just it was it was nuts. It seems like so much of of yours and Reagan's life is getting out of um out of the you know you're out of the woods is mm-hmm. the phrase you know mm-hmm. okay you're out of the woods now mm-hmm. and for some odd reason there's like a U-turn. Right. Like, you're like, okay, now we can breathe. Oh wait, no, we can't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you can breathe. No, now you can't. Now it's okay. Now it's not. And it's, and, and the perception of others to you mm-hmm. is often so inaccurate. Like sure. you got to go home. Right. No, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got a call. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not it. Okay. The, the liver, you, you got the liver and she made it successfully out of the transplant. Right. Okay, great. Oh, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's she's overcome all of these obstacles, so you guys are home free now, right? No, that's not it. And the, it's not a it's never a time to breathe mm-hmm. in the entire process. And I think like at first I was kind of upset with how people viewed the situation, and we were very. You set a great example in things that you've gone through in your life with being real, being raw, mm-hmm. being vulnerable, mm-hmm. and kind of letting it all out there for people in the midst of the hurt. And that always spoke to Reagan and I. I still remember like listening to you preach Trey's funeral while I'm driving home from mm-hmm. the city and just tears rolling down my face mm-hmm. of like this is a guy that gets it. Yep. You know, this mm-hmm. is a guy that is letting it all out there. Is not trying to show code everything for people right but is telling them the the real hurt and then pointing to the real hope and mm. that was always a model that would have a good thing to say in the sermon but you know I, I i think that i learned so much from you going through that process that we reagan and i really felt like the holy spirit kind of said to us while we were in that moment like 
you have a platform right now to share a bunch of stuff with people. Are you going to take the stage? Like, are you going to take the platform and actually be mm. vocal about this? Or are you just going to cower in the corner? And I, and I for re- those who are listening who have cowered in the corner. Sure. That's your world. Mm-hmm. And, and we were uniquely called with that ability in right. that moment, in that time to answer that call. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I commend you and I'm honored and flattered that, that you say that. And you've said it several times. Yeah, um, true. And if I may say how great of a job you've done in stepping up to that platform, mm, thanks, man. Um, especially to this point now with pressing on yeah. and, and why you have felt the need to do what you're doing. Yeah. And I think the way that pressing on came about was not because Mike is just completely doing fine now and we just need to find something to do. So bored. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's going in for another procedure here in a couple of weeks and it'll probably continue to be a roller coaster. But we just experienced so much isolation. Mm. And, you know, you've talked many times before on this podcast about, you know, just sharing the word that you are not alone, you know, with other people. Mm. Being alone in children in a children's hospital room. Mm-hmm with a sad spouse or not even because you guys got to take care of the other child. You're on rotation. And and I remember, I remember saying to you like to look out the window and see people who are miserable walking to work and thinking you're free. Mm. Exactly. When you're confined to those hospital rooms, which are great and much better. And again, Oh, you guys are lucky. You know, we were down at the one in Oakland. Those rooms are terrible. (laughs) Right. We were lucky. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a special kind of alone. Right. Yeah. When you're down at Children's mm-hmm. Hospital and your kids and they're in, and they're sitting there in the barred mm-hmm. uh, cribs, yeah. you know, that have the bars all the way up. Yeah. And you're like, they're in cages. Speaking mm-hmm. of kids in cages, right. they're literally in cages. Right. You know, that's a special kind of alone. And that broke your heart. Yeah, it did. And that that isolation, that hopelessness, that Reagan and I are self-aware enough to know that we had a really good community around yep. us. We've got really great family on both sides. We've got, you know, a great community of faith that had our backs that was praying for us. But there's still a sense of isolation and aloneness Mm -hmm. in the sense that when you're going through something for the first time, you're like, we all ask the question, has anybody gone through this before? Of course, there are people that have gone through it before, but you're just brand new to this tribe that nobody signed up for and you're trying to figure out the ropes, you Mm -hmm. know? And so for us, it was like, wow, we're, we know where our hope lies. We know what the truth is, but that doesn't make it hurt less in right. the midst of all of that. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. and so for us, we felt that and we're like, if there is any way that we can be there for a mom or a dad that's crying and just doesn't know what to do next when they have a sick child, if there's any way that we can encourage somebody in the midst of their pain, Reagan and I have said various times over the last year, like, our mantra kind of for pressing on in this new organization is we may not be able to decrease the pain in their path, but we can increase the strength by their side. And that's one of those things that we're going after with coming into people's lives that when they're at rock bottom, when they're in crisis, whether they're, you know, they just lost a loved one or their kid is in the hospital. How can we bring hope to the hurting and care in crisis and help them put plans in place to persevere? Because let's face it, a lot of us make emotional decisions that maybe aren't the best when we're in the midst of crisis. And if we can just provide some hope and some coaching and just just gentle, compassionate, humble counseling, then we want to do that for families that are in crisis. That's amazing. And I will say that, and so that you don't say it, you know, Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh and all of them, I assume, you know, they've got clergy down there. Yeah, that's true. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. They're great. (laughs) They've got social work down there. 
they'll get you. They'll show you how to get your mileage paid for by some nonprofit in Nantucket. Mm-hmm. But there is a huge gap in between the two mm-hmm. and the real functioning help of here. Let me hold your hand mm-hmm. and let me help you through this period. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, which is so impactful that you had a great support system. Yeah. And I, you know, we had an amazing support system mm-hmm. and my heart broke mm. for the people that I know don't have that support. system. Absolutely. So what is it? Why? You know, what can we do? And what's great about life is I did nothing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but Richie Reader and Reagan Reader are doing. That's something. not true. You're still impacting people to this day. I'm working on that. Yeah. No, God calls us different places. Right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. you are really standing in that gap. Mm-hmm. And, and to Children's Hospital's credit. I will sing their praises all day long. Yeah. They're letting you. Yeah. They could very easily Absolutely. be like, pound salt. We got yeah. that taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because know, there's always let's this. Let's pacify the people that could at some point yeah. in time sue yeah. us mm-hmm. for something. So right. let's not get them too angry. Right. But instead, they've been very open They've been too. very, very open in the sense that we had multiple conversations last year. And I think that at first they were like, almost kind of like, well, we know you, but are, are you emotionally stable to be like, right, what's right. your motive? What are you trying? And it's like, we love people. <laughs> we know what it's like to be in this situation. If there's any anybody that you feel like could benefit from just talking to another parent, we're not going to give medical advice. Right. We're not going to tell them what to do. We we're just no going to be a, on retainer. Right. Exactly. We're just going to be a sounding board. Listen. And if we can help out with some physical needs, I mean, there's people that come here from all over the globe. Yeah. There's people that, you know, have asked us simple things like, where can I get my car fixed? You know, mm. um, we're here on Valentine's day. Are there any good restaurants around? Like simple things that we take for granted because yeah. we live here in the city Yeah. that like, it just means the most to so many people that's just like, Oh, thanks for answering my questions. Just- like, why are there so many Mennonites in here in the wintertime? <laughs> <laughs> See, Richie knows. Richie knows. He knows. You, I'll pass that one. <laughs> dude, it's like December, and you're like, why is everybody in overalls? <laughs> I remember sitting on this on the ninth floor, the cancer floor, in the playroom. And you have to understand the sixth floor is right. where they have the giant screen, the atrium. Right? Yeah. yeah, the atrium. And so you know, and then that's where like the the. Uh, the play, the special playroom is yeah. for Mario Lemieux's son. Mm-hmm. Con, what's his name? Austin. Austin. Austin's playroom. Austin's playroom and yeah. stuff. But I'm sitting there, and the Penguins game is being uh, shown on this gigantic three-story television. And mm-hmm. I look over, and there's these like Mennonite guys just sitting there watching. I'm like, Oh yeah, uh-huh. oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> electricity, huh? Okay, <laughs> yeah. alrighty. <laughs> but Richie, I appreciate everything that you shared. Um, we asked you to take your emotional needs inventory, which yep. anyone can take. Yes. And we're still tinkering with it. Yep. You know, we're still refining it and mm-hmm. everything else. But we've talked about how emotional needs, you know, when somebody says that hurt my feelings, you went mm-hmm. through how many hurt feelings right. in that whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Oh, hurt my feelings. Okay, great. What feeling? You know, and, and we've talked about how emotional or hurts our emotional needs not met were taken from us. Mm-hmm. So you took the test. And you came up with the fact that respect and appreciation was your two highest Mm -hmm. emotional needs. Um, And your two lowest were support and comfort, Mm -hmm. which is interesting in that to me that you're in the comfort business. You're in the business of coming alongside people and you don't have that inherent high need for that, which to me is a feather in your cap. Because if you have a high Mm. need for affection and, and someone's like, give me a hug and you're like, okay, I'll give you a hug. You know, so that's that's impressive to me. But what I would love to know is as the high need of or having a low need for support, mm-hmm. support is let me help you right? Mm-hmm. or help me. <laughs> you know, it's not encouragement is you can do it. 
support is let me help you do it. Mm-hmm. So that means that you have a bit of an independent streak about you and that you're good at getting a job done, which if I look at your role as associate pastor, mm-hmm. well, that's all you're doing. Right. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm supporting everybody else mm-hmm. and there ain't nobody helping me. Richie right. get her done reader. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so how has that transition been for you right. going from I'm the support guy. Mm. I don't. I'm not gonna get any help. Yeah. So I'm just gonna do it all myself. Right. Um, and that's okay because I don't. I don't really want your help because mm-hmm. you're gonna make it harder. Is that accurate? <laughs> I think that you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I, I'll wear that. <laughs> Great. Okay, but now you're creating this nonprofit right. out of nothing. Mm-hmm. You're not taking over a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You're starting a ministry from scratch. Yeah. You cannot do it on your own. Mm-hmm. You've already said you're in ministry now, with. Your wife. Yeah, absolutely. How has that transition been? And has it been difficult at times to give up control of things mm-hmm. and, and to let things in, let other people in? Man, those are some really, really, really good questions there. I, I said before that my wife is the best thing about me. I still can't figure out how I convinced her to marry me. We all marry up. She's, yeah, I, I hashtag married up for sure. Fact. Um, she uh, She's amazing. And where I'm weak, she's strong. She's excellent at some of those comfort things. And we knew from the get-go when we were praying, fasting, talking, dreaming last spring and summer about what's next. We kind of felt that call, but not quite released yet from our current ministry at Reclamation Church. Um, But when we launched Pressing On, we agreed that she is going to head up the care ministry. She is going to head up the connections and the counseling and the compassion. While I can do that and have done that a lot in pastoral ministries, She's amazing. And let's face it, like there's a lot of moms at Children's Hospital. They don't want to talk to me. Mm. They want to talk to my wife. Sure. You know, and, you know, the breakdown of men and women at Children's is is definitely disproportionate as far as the parents that are supporting. But that's because, you know, it's not to say that the dads are not present. A lot of times they're they're out working or doing other things. But a lot of the time they're not. It's true. (laughs) A lot of the times they're not. And so for, for me, like we agreed, hey, it's going to take an entrepreneurial spirit to start something from nothing. This is going to be a lot of work with branding and marketing and advertising and technology and the web and all of the legal paperwork and the 501c3 status with the IRS and the fundraising and the connecting with donors and all of that kind of stuff. You know, if somebody wants to go to pressingon.org, they can check out everything that we're doing. But all of the nuts and bolts of getting, you know, all of this together was me. And then while we are both doing, you know, the hospital care compassion ministries together, I would I would definitely say that she's so much better at it. She's the one that keeps the spreadsheet of the 30 some families that we're impacting and seeing and encouraging right now. She's the one that gives updates to the board on what we're doing with different families. I mean, her her title is really the VP of care and connections. I mean, Mm. she's the one that's doing that. But it does go a little bit against where my emotional needs lie. And, you know, whether it's, you know, on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTJ, I'm kind of that driver, like CEO type. And then on the Enneagram, I'm the three, I'm the achiever. I'm I'm the type that, like, even if I'm getting stuff done and I forgot to put it on my list, I'll write it on my list just so I can cross it off. Like, I'm yep. one of those weird psycho types of that. people. Yeah, yep. you do? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those. That's not you, Jay. <laughs> Don't have lists. <laughs> I have zero lists. Just whatever comes to mind. I, do, I just I'm in I'm in a complete and utter communion with the Holy Spirit. I just That's do whatever perfect. He says at any there given it moment. There it is. That's what I do. That's all I'm saying. If you guys need lists, whatever, it's cool. Uh, but I don't mean to disrespect you, as that is your one of your highest 
emotional needs. Um, but the other is appreciation, mm-hmm. which I think is perfect because we can feel bad when we need to be appreciated. You know what I mean? Like we feel like, like I think with attention is, is probably, I always call it the black sheep of the emotional yeah. needs family. Like nobody says, Oh, they need a lot of encouragement. Ugh. Right. But if you need attention, it's like, Oh boy, you gotta give it. But I think appreciation is <laughs> Who's this prideful well. person. Right. Yeah. Mm. And the same thing with appreciation. Like, why do we need that? But I think it's great in that nobody hears about your ministry and goes, well, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you're loving people <laughs> whose uh, children are in the balance. I mean, I guess. Right. So, of course, they go, well, that's great. So, it's inherent in the job is you get that need, that appreciation, mm-hmm. because you're going to get it from me. You're yeah. going to get it from him. Mm-hmm. And so, you might deal with a family who doesn't. Right. But that's okay. Yeah. Because absolutely. you're getting it from so many other places. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, uh, before we were on the air, your better half, which you've mentioned many, not even your better half, the best part about you absolutely. is Reagan. Yeah. And how her emotional needs in some ways mm-hmm. are exactly the opposite. Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah. And talk about how you've come to realize that mm-hmm. over the years. It's interesting because when Reagan and I describe one another, we say that we would have hated one another as kids and even in high school. And we just started to obviously get along in college when we met. But if we would have known one another in high school, we're both so competitive. Mm. We're both extroverts. We love to be around people. Mm. Like people almost kind of say sometimes that we're kind of the same person, like which is a little bit weird because they always say that opposites attract. And so we were both so competitive growing up that we joke like, oh, if we were in the same high school, we would have hated one another going after the same awards and this, that and the other thing. But that competitive spirit was put inside of me so many of these things about our personalities are brought about when you're young and it was like whether it was on the baseball field or even seeing how many verses I could memorize and you know in church and stuff like that or how well I could do in school like that achievement and that drive and that competitive spirit was does that born out of even your family well I think that it was you said large family yeah I'm the oldest of five and so four I was the guinea pig so it was kind (laughs) of like hey let's just try this on Richie and then we'll see if it works (laughs) and then let it cascade down to the four younger siblings but I think that I got to try a bunch of things my parents very you know a great family yeah absolutely family that loved the Lord family that raised me in the church family that gave me a lot of freedom and ability to make decisions gave me lots of opportunities you know to play baseball and stuff like that that that's why to a degree you don't have a huge need for comfort because you were the oldest of five and it was okay you can help lead this family go for it blaze the trail yeah there wasn't going to be anybody to Mm. lick your wounds for you correct because and again not saying mom and dad aren't mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I mean, my mother said to my sister when she was the oldest of four, I wasn't even born yet. Mm-hmm. She was four, she was six years old and mm-hmm. the oldest of four kids. Yeah. And she asked my mom for something. And my mother said, Marilyn, please, you are not a child. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Sheesh. <laughs> so in a similar fashion, yeah. comfort's irregular. Too. Right. And my parents were very great about, you know, making sure that, you know, they gave me approval. And I feel like that need for appreciation was developed at such an early age because, you know, in, res- I, in respect, I would say. Yeah. He's the oldest kid. The oldest kid. Well, and know? I learned very early on that like, wow, well, what gets rewarded gets improved and gets incentivized. So if I went three for four, you know, they were really appreciative. My dad mm. would clip out the newspaper articles and well done, son, you know, wow. way to go. You know, like, yeah, it was kind of like maybe I was over applauded even, you know, I might say as a child that that became something that. You know, you become an adult and it's not like your boss walks by every day. And it's like, hey, great yeah, job yeah, on that yeah. report that you sent out to the client. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, and I think that that was developed. And my wife and I have talked a lot about that, that she knows that my biggest love language is words of affirmation. OK. You know, right behind that is physical touch. And we're opposites in lots of these ways because, 
you know, she is acts of service and quality time. Yeah. And so it's like we, our top two love languages are very different. Um, our Enneagram types are very different. And how we approach what we're doing with pressing on is very different because for us to shed our income, start raising support mm-hmm. and asking people if they would partner with us financially, everything that is low for me in my emotional needs, support, comfort, security is extremely high in hers. Hmm. And not to make a blanket statement, but I think that that is true for a lot of women. Oh um, boy, here we go. <laughs> that was the last time we had Did I just take us show. down? Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> no, I just tanked the podcast. Ta- let's start talking about, uh, I don't know, politics. How about that debate last night? <laughs> go ahead, you were saying, what about broads? Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I look at those and I'm like, man, she's probably really, really high in that support, comfort, and security mix. And Which so, is a huge ask to then say, hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we just give up all this security yeah. and do what God is calling us to do? And it was one of those things that we both have received job offers in the last 12 months to do different things and make a little bit of money here and there. And it was just like the cause that we've been called to is just so important to us and the passion of our souls that we're like, we can't do anything else. Yeah. The passion of our souls. Yeah. What a blessing that you can say, I know what the passion of my soul is and that I have the faith to follow through and to do that. Like there's people that are going to listen to this and go, the, the what of your what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me caveat that. That doesn't mean that you don't wake up in the morning and still have doubts and ask questions. That's no, right. that's the yeah, faith that's to do it. That's right. the part. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. No, and the obedience. No, and, and you know, it's one of those things where let's not be self-deprecating. You know, let's be grateful that God conditioned yeah. you to this point. Your parents were to the point where, right. hey, three for four is good. Four for four is better. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and this week we hit our fundraising goals for pressingon.org. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But that doesn't mean we can't do better. Right. You know, and so right. don't discount how your role in that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's and it's true for all of us in different ways that God calls us to do different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And there is valor in answering that call. Mm-hmm. And so that you should be able to stand tall and say, okay, you know, I did a good thing, you yeah. know, and, and maybe tomorrow's going to be good. Maybe yeah. not. You don't have a huge need for acceptance, which is good. So you can just move on the next day. If <laughs> yeah. you had a bad day, yeah, you move on the next day. I do that. one thing. I have one thing to point out and I have a question for you, Jay, but the thing I wanted to point out was, and you can expand on this if you want, Jay, it's interesting. So you, you, you had appreciation growing up from your parents, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And it's interesting that people later on in life, you mentioned like you know, when you're older, you're at work in the workforce and, you know, getting attaboys and whatnot at work feels good, but you don't always get that. Totally. But it's interesting when you're younger, there's no rhyme or reason whether you got it, it'll mean that you need it. Or if you didn't get it, it might mean that you need it, which I find really interesting. And we've talked about that a little bit before, but there's really no rhyme or reason that if you didn't get it, you might need it in the future. But if you did get it, you might need it in the future. Right. You got appreciation growing up and you still have a high need for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't get comfort. You don't have a need for it, but it, the opposite could be true of both. Yeah. That mommy and daddy could have, you know, everything you did was great. And so to this day, it means nothing. If somebody says it went great because mm-hmm. you always heard it, it mm-hmm. didn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, in his case, it's very along those same lines because you, you were respected, you know, as far as your, your siblings go, maybe, maybe not growing up. I would also say your parents respected you. Did you know, they, like, would you, hold on. Would you say they respected you? Yeah, I would generally say that in the re- sense that 
Like they gave you responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you knew it was important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you're the oldest of five kids and mommy and daddy reach out their hands, I mean, they don't even have enough hands for all the kids. Sure. So, yeah. you know, right. It's, you know, you ain't getting a hand. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> let's go, buddy. I was that kid Tag, that you're in. it's like Which, 15 and a half. I get dropped off at the strip malls. Like apply at all of those places. <laughs> don't come back till you have a job. <laughs> you know what though? But that also goes to support. Right. Yeah. Like they're busy white changing diapers. You ain't, you didn't get it. You don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and I look back a, on that, and yeah, it was definitely a blessing in my life for sure. It taught me to. That's why you're way better than all your siblings. No, that's not the, they. They would tell you the fact that I'm not. That's for sure. <laughs> that's why you've got to say that you are. If you don't, ain't nobody else doing that. I've learned to defer to them in lots of ways over the last couple of years. <laughs> Is everybody yeah. still close? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd say we were all together for my mom's birthday in December, um, and yeah, we've got. In the last three years here, we've had several people in both sides of our families actually move here to Pittsburgh. Mm. And so, yeah, the family yeah, is... Your mom just moved out here, my right? My mom moved out here. My sister went to Geneva what, College. What great community is your mom living in now? She's living in the great community of Penn Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. that's buddy. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, she can't do better than that. Can't mm-hmm. do better. But you know, Richie, each week we like to point out some people that can, in fact, do better. Uh, Eric, yours is, in fact, just a do-better Mine, the one that I have, yes. Yes, then this why don't you one, go first? Okay. I'm looking forward to this segment. So, <laughs> Wichita Falls Police. Uh, women, woman with five warrants gave fake name that also had a warrant. <laughs> Dad, come on. <laughs> so, Wichita Falls Police arrested a woman Friday for five warrants, including allegedly giving officers a fictitious name during a traffic stop. So, she straight made it up. I've been to Wichita Falls. <laughs> <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> uh, the fake name is the fake name. I thought Richie was going to say, just like a woman. It's <laughs> all you. Again, um, the fake name the suspect provided also had an arrest warrant according to the uh, probable cause affidavit shortly after 9 p.m. Wednesday January 15th officers observed the vehicle failed to use a turn signal after the vehicle was stopped both the driver and passenger were detained after the officers observed something fly out of the passenger window whoops the passenger later identified as Sharika Strawn 28 told officers her name was Portia Strawn I'm thinking that she knows this person. Okay. A record, che- a, a records check revealed that Portia LaShawn had all had an outstanding warrant for her arrest. While the woman was being transported to the jail, she told the officers her real name was Sharika Strawn. When officers checked the records, they found five warrants against her arrest. Well, so it was still, it was good. You'd rather have one we than have five. <laughs> sure. Let's not, let's not <laughs> knock her for that. <laughs> That's a rough day. That's a rough day. Yeah. I don't know what leads you to do. Boy, there's a lot of hurts involved in that whole process. She should do better. She should do better. Yeah, I have one that I'm not sure if it's a do better or can't do better. Uh, Dateline. Yep. I don't know where. Yes, I do. Dateline Pittsburgh. That's right. Headline, hangover cure on wheels. Company delivering treatments to Pittsburghers. Having a hangover could be a thing of the past for people who are willing to pay the money for a mobile hangover cure. Hmm. Listen up, Richie. This might be something a resource to give yeah, some out of towners if they need the service. <laughs> whether whether you had I'm listening. <laughs> whether you had one beer and felt badly, 
or you accidentally had eight. <laughs> Keyword accidentally. accidentally. <laughs> Once you get past four, it's like... <laughs> it's on I, purpose at that point. Did I just have two more or one more? <laughs> have I had five? Or is it seven? <laughs> it's for the everyday person who wakes up and says, I just don't want to feel badly. Allison Weed, <laughs> co-founder of Elite Recovery, said... They're making the rounds throughout the city of Pittsburgh, delivering and administering IV treatments of all kinds to those who need it. Wow. Yeah. The average price, by the these are all nurses. They have medical licenses. Yeah. Everything else is $150. Whoa. Man, you got to feel bad. You got that is a hangover. <laughs> Dude, that is, like, that is like you wake up and you, you're just wrecked. Or you got a flight, maybe. Well, and you got to go to work and you got a presentation to make. <laughs> and you got to get right. The average serum costs, which serum, not a good word. Uh, the average serum costs serum. $150. Elite Recovery offers a variety of other serums that can be used to treat sickness or give someone an extra boost before running a marathon. There's even a beauty serum. Unbelievable. So I don't know if that's just, <laughs> I don't know if that they can't do better, that they're meeting the needs of people and making money in the process or... <laughs> So if they're you're just going to pay a hundred enabling alcoholism, bucks, maybe I don't know. <laughs> That'd like, become an expensive habit. Suck it up, Buttercup. Get a Big Mac. Move on. Yeah, I know a few people that could have used that. Yeah, <laughs> there's a little dry, a little dry. <laughs> You've stumbled across one. I have. Um, and full disclosure, I'm not an animal person, but this story has a little bit to do with uh, an animal here. So a family in Brazil found their long-lost pet tortoise. Oh, that's nice. After they decided to finally clean out the house. Mm. Now, here's the headline. Family cleans house, finds pet tortoise missing since 1982. Yeah, and this article like just came out like four, four days ago. <laughs> Bingo. So Eric hooked me up with this one, but it says that back in 1982, this family was saddened to learn that their red-footed tortoise, uh, the old Manula, red had gone missing. Manula. Manula. You know. Yeah. So... I guess their house was being renovated at the time. Family assumed that the tortoise had slipped out the door left open by a construction crew. Just jarted right out. Man. Disappearing you know into the forest. Do. Yeah. But they could not have been more wrong. Key <laughs> sentence. Could not have been more wrong. The true fate of the lost pet remained a mystery for the next 30 years until the father passed away oh, and the Almeida children will... returned to help clean out the cluttered storage room. Turns out that the father was somewhat of a hoarder. So the room was jam packed with things. And while cleaning the house, a neighbor asked their son if he was intending to get rid of the tortoise, too. So he put a trash bag on the floor. The neighbor just warned me, how are you going to throw that little turtle away? And at that moment, I went white and didn't believe it. So, yeah, that's tortoise has been 1982. So, so 38 years. Father dies. Tur turtle is found. <laughs> It all balances out it's in life. It's got to be the loneliest turtle that has ever lived. <laughs> Supposedly surviving off of termites. Yeah. Termites. So. And how's the house still there? Because he's eating all the termites. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to all the unwanted furniture that was, they were likely in abundance. <laughs> Unbelievable. So what you're telling me is a missing turtle wasn't their biggest problem. And that turtle can't do better. He I mean, can't do That turtle better. is unbelievable. They could do better. Yeah. Yes. So they it's both. It's both. It is both. <laughs> but so that we, turtle can't do better. We had do better. better. <laughs> we had we're not sure. And we had they both. One could do better. And let's, you know what would be great? Like, if you just see a follow-up article, sadly, the turtle passed away the next day. Mm. Like, <laughs> they thought it was gone for 35 years. It was years. two weeks from retirement. Yeah. <laughs> 
See, at our house, like we, the girls want a dog, and we've given them a fish, and say, if you take good care of the fish, maybe for a couple of years, then ah, maybe we'll the get a dog. Test animal. Th- this family would have fa- failed <laughs> completely. And yet passed. <laughs> yeah, that's true. At the same time, keep the animal alive for several years, but and wait, then we'll see. But wait, before we sign off, yeah. If you can keep this fish alive for a few years. That's a heck of a fish. It's A, a heck of a fish. B, brilliant, because you've at least put it off yeah. for a couple years. <laughs> and you I, can kill that fish at any point in time. Richie, you can't do better. It, 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 <laughs> I think that it'll accidentally be flushed down the toilet at some point in time. we got to kill it first. Mm-hmm. got to send it on like it's a ride for the fish. <laughs> down the water we side. play with the fish. Down to the house, yeah, play with the fish. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've only killed three fish already, so send accidentally. To- and meanwhile, I have a ba- pond in my backyard. Fish make it every year through the winter. Freezes <laughs> solid, and they're like, whatever. <laughs> they wake up in the spring, they're like cracking their neck. Bring like, them inside, right. put them in a tank, dead in a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This was an amazing show. Thank you, Richie, so much for being here. Thank and, you. Uh, Pressingon.org. Yes. Pressingon.org. Yes, please visit. Um, Donate. Pressingon.org. Donate. <laughs> Don't Jay. help him, though. He doesn't want help. He's doing it all himself. <laughs> doesn't need any support. Just, Pressingon.org. We've got all the social channels out there looking to establish a social community media. of people that are persevering through tough times. So, yeah, join the cause. Awesome. We'll put a Big link fan. to uh, the website in our show notes for this episode. Um, and don't forget, us, forget to l- visit us at lunchtimeinrome.com. And, uh, hey, if you want to be a guest of the show. Yeah. What do you do? You have to take the emotional needs questionnaire that is on the website. It's in the main navigation. and you Create an account. Create an account. Take the quiz. Submit it. And we will get it. Shoot us an email. And we'll be in contact with you. And it'll be fantastic. It'll be so much fun to have you on the show. Um, but with that being said, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. It was like, oh, I love mango. It was I'm like, all about the mango right now. Yeah. And that's fine. Hears about your ministry and goes, well, that's dumb. What about broads? Which serum? Not a good word.